Hey, hey, podcast listeners. One of your favorite superhero movie club hosts, Michael Maurer, here again. Give you a little lowdown. You're tuning in to the fifth episode of Superhero Movie Club, Thor the Dark World. First of all, thank you. Oh my goodness. Thank you all so much. We didn't believe we would ever get triple digits in hits for our podcast. And... Oh my goodness, it has been a tremendous surprise. So, thank you so much, and now I'm going to be a jerk and ask you to do a little more. (laughs) Please go on to iTunes and give us a five-star rating and write a glowing review about how handsome you think Skylar is, or or whatever whatever works, whatever you want to to write about. Um, Could be our looks, could be my hair, could be all of our physical features and how perfect... All of them are. (laughs) But anyway, this episode five here is the technically the beginning of our season two here at Superhero Movie Club. We separate our seasons by film release dates. So all the comic book movies that came out in 2014 that we did episodes on, that's season one. Thor The Dark World came out in 2013. In case you haven't noticed, we've been working backwards. So this will be the first episode of Season 2. And yes, we will skip over some movies that we think don't merit a whole 40 to 50 minutes. Like R.I.P.D. Ugh. But don't worry, dear fans. We'll still take a look at all the movies we skipped in the Season 2 finale wrap-up. So again, thank you all so much for listening. It literally brings the brightest smiles to all of our days and fills our little nerdy hearts with glee that you care about what we have to say from all the people involved at Superhero Movie Club we love you so much it almost it it kills us that we can only do this like once a week we want to do it more so here's the start of season 2 episode 1 Thor the Dark World Superhero Movie Club. We do comic book movie talk from modern to old, where it began, the final product, and its future. We cover everything about the movies, budget, themes, music, source books, and hell, even the science. I'm your host, James Skyler Hutzma. And I'm Michael Maurer, and this week's topic is... (sighs) You must be truly desperate to come to me for help. What makes you think you can trust me? I don't. Mother did. And you should know that when we fought each other in the past, I did so with a glimmer of hope that my brother must have been there somewhere. That hope no longer exists to protect you. You betray me, and I will kill you. When do we start? Thor, the Dark World. A.K.A. Thor 2. I don't know of anyone who actually calls it the Dark World. 
Really? Everyone, yeah, well, Thor 2's nicer, and plus they didn't really say the Dark World in the film at all. No, the titular Dark World is more just kind of like a dingy yellow than anything, so. What? Svartalheim, the... Oh, okay. Yeah. Just all the jargon that comes... Jotunheim, Svartalheim. Uh, Midgard. Midgard, Asgard. Marauders. <laughs> what was that one? I don't know. All right. There's some line in the movie where... You know, Thor has to explain to Jane where he's been. He's like, marauders were marauding. To Skylar, give me your first opinion on the film. You know what? These last few shows, I've been going first. So uh, as a change of pace, why don't this time you give me your opinion first in song. In son of a... In song. In song. That's too, that's too broad. You have to give me a song to base it off. Oh, boy. Well, let's... Uh, let's uh, Let's narrow it down to Disney, nineties. Oh, oh God! And let's go with Aladdin, whole new world. Oh, all right, all right. We'll give this a shot. I'll just go off the top here. Um, mm, how's that one start? I'll like take. Okay. Take a look at this Thor. Magic weapons and hammers. Tell me, Skylar, was there ever a point that this film you liked? A brand new Thor! With magic, Natalie, and Christopher. (laughs) I can tell you from after watching it. I wasn't impressed, and I lost all my rhyme scheme for this song. A whole okay. new Thor. I, I give you mad props for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on an episode of Whose Line Is It Anyway? next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Central Time. Ooh, tune in. <laughs> all right. So do you have anything to add to that that is uh, you know, non-lyrical and or just... This was the weakest of Phase 2. Let's not kid ourselves. Mm-hmm. Marvel Phase 2, surrounded by Iron Man 3, Captain America 2, Guardians of the Galaxy, Thor 2 was subpar, unfortunately. It was a well-made film. Um, the characters were pretty fun, but besides Malekith, uh, completely besides Malekith, but the plot was so brick and mortar. It was like, death has come to the universe. By the way... Uh, the whole universe thing, like, the Avengers were assembled for an attack on New York. Everybody else's problems were kind of a little bit more timid than that. I mean, Iron Man 3 was a bit more personal. Mm-hmm. Um, Guardians, of course, was way out there. There's no way they could know. Right. Uh, and Cap 2 is kind of only Cap 2 knew about it. But I feel as if Thor 2, there was enough prep time to call people to talk about Malekith is going to blow up London, and then that's going to leave to the whole universe enveloped in darkness. Kind of a big deal. We're going to need some backup. So I thought that was a bit, like, where are the standards for when the Avengers show up and when they don't? True. What would you give it out of 100? <laughs> 69. <laughs> 68. Let's keep it age appropriate, yes. kids. Yes, thank you. Um, do I have to follow the same standard of that I've imposed on you on the musical thing? Yeah, I won't lay it on you, Skylar. But okay. next time, yes. Oh. When we do Wolverine, 
you have you'll have prep time. You I, can you can make a song. You can pick the song, whatever you want. But next time it's coming. Okay. Be wary. All right. Well then, um, with uh, Thor: The Dark World, it wasn't the first time, but it's certainly the most prominent time where I feel like Marvel just didn't try with this one. Uh, it may have been due to some of the uh, behind the scenes things that were going on, but. I just felt like they completely stuck to formula, like you said, brick and mortar with the story. There was basically no character uh, journey for anyone. Uh, I disagree that in that uh, the whole production design of the movie looks terrible, just awful TV show, and which maybe that's due to Alan Taylor of Game of Thrones taking over, but. Um, Okay, I will admit there were some fun action scenes. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a movie that prides itself on entertainment value, but um, at the end of it, I just kind of asked myself, did anything in this movie matter? Is it going to come back in any way, or is this just, you know... Well, now you're you're basing it as a piece of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh, no, no, not even like that. It's like, did anything... Did this... Oh, did there the any characters go anywhere? Yeah, it's like... Is there any consequence to this story at all? And, you know... Outside of Loki's out of jail. Yeah. That's sort of what we can take away from it, and sequels ahoy. And, oh, Frigga died. Oh, so we did have a small emotional journey in that, the death of a family. Death that, in the you family. Know, highly secondary character that they brought back for... Don't diss Rene Russo, man. Oh, Rene Russo's awesome. Anyway, I, I gave it about a 50. Mm, fair. Fair. Let's talk money, Skyler. Production budget, $170 million. Now, as far as I can tell, I think that's pretty cheap. Uh, that's on the shorter end, I think, of Hollywood blockbusters. That's Usually they average around 200 correct? Uh, more often than not, I would say, if they're going to be a big tentpole production. But considering that this is a movie about Thor, I think it's still in the squarely big budget mm -hmm. Hollywood production. So big for what it's about. What's it bringing in? Or okay. brought in, I suppose. It's out of theaters for a while now. Oh, at least over a year. But at the end of the day, Thor The Dark World brought in $206.4 million in the United States. That's more than Spider -Man, Amazing Spider-Man 2. Good for them. Yeah. Uh, foreign gross was $438.4 million. Which brings the worldwide gross to six hundred and forty four point eight million dollars. The world ride? World ride. Which uh to kind of put that in context, that's practically twice as much as the original Thor made, which was somewhere around three hundred, three hundred fifty eh, just off the top of my head. And it surpassed the original in nineteen days of release. Oh my goodness. Where does it sit in the two thousand thirteen chart? Do you happen to know? Uh I don't, sadly. Oh, darn. But it's not quite near Iron Man 3's 1 billion, and it's below... Well, it's actually right around Man of Steel, which is also in the mid-600. It had 206, right? 206 million? 206. So that means it's 12th. It was behind Star Trek. Hunger Games was top of 2013. Right. And Iron Man 3 was second, and then Frozen. Okay. So Thor Dark World didn't even break top 10. Okay, I'm pretty sure... Okay, so it didn't break top 10 in domestic. Uh, worldwide, I'm fairly certain it was in the top 10. Uh, here, 
Give me two seconds. Two seconds. Two seconds. Okay. It was number 10. It was 12th domestic. 12th domestic. 10th. Because foreign money is a big deal with sequels. It is. It's as anything we've proven on this podcast. Well, this is uh, pretty clear uh, evidence of the whole Avengers touch or the Avengers bump, if you will, in that, you know, you have the original before the Avengers. People were just like, eh, Thor, whatever, makes 300-something. Avengers come out, and it's like, oh, Thor, well, maybe we'll go see that now. 644, so. That's enough about money. Comic book storyline correlation. That's the word I'm looking for. Slight props to Thor 2 in that they've developed a very boring storyline based on no comic book material. Uh, It's mostly nitpicking, cherry-picking from... Walter Simonson's run of Thor in the 1980s. By cherry-picking, I mean they just sort of picked characters, two new characters that are specific to this film, and that's Malekith and Curse. Now, Malekith came about in Thor 344 in 1984, created by Walter Simonson. Uh, It's going to be played by Christopher Eccleston in the film, but he was originally a servant to the fire demon Surtur, Okay, garbly gook. You know what? Actually, we might see Surtur in Thor 3, but besides the point, and we'll get to that. He was after the Casket of Ancient Winters, which we saw in the first Thor film, but, of course, that's sort of... We don't want to redo every single plot point from Thor 1, so now he's after the Aether, a.k.a. an Infinity Gem? So we're led to believe by the end of this film, so... Okay. And... <clears throat> that's basically it. I mean, Malekith is a—he was a two-dimensional character in Thor, the comic book, and unfortunately, Eccleston doesn't and or the writers don't really bring anything else to the character when he gets his big screen debut. Um, Curse, on the other hand, was a little bit deeper. Uh, he came up three issues after Malekith showed up because he was a servant to Malekith, because he was also a Dark Elf, and he was originally called Algrim the Strong, um, before he fell into a pit of lava with Thor, and the Beyonder, a.k.a. a character in the Marvel comic book universe who is just there to mess with the heroes. So he brings back Algrim the Strong and calls him Curse and gives him super-duper super strength, so he's a lot stronger than Thor. And originally he was thrown into the lava pit by Malekith, but he becomes amnesia. So he fights Thor because he thinks Thor was responsible. Then he recovers from amnesia and kills Malekith. Now he's a good guy and he protects. He sacrificed his life to protect Asgardians in the storyline called Ragnarok. Basically the extent of the new characters that you see on film who do things a little bit differently... Malekith, actually, not so much. He kind of does things the exact same way. But Curse is always just a bad guy through and through. Just the big muscle meathead that needs to be taken more seriously than the other muscle meatheads. I like to punch things. That is Curse. Did he even have dialogue as soon as he uh, transformed? No, he pretty much just grunted. Okay. That's lame. I don't think he even had an, a line in English, too. They just... Oh, yes. Um, I don't know if the Dark Elves had a secret language in the comic books, but I don't see the point to add one in the film. <laughs> we get it's, it. Aliens can speak King's, uh, the Queen's English. It's okay. It's refined that way. It's easier to understand. Yeah, totally. That's enough about comic books, because 
Not a whole lot new in Thor 2, as opposed to any characters making their film debut. Oh, and that Ian guy or whatever. The intern? Yeah, the intern's intern. Yeah. Don't worry, he has no significance. You know, I really didn't think he did, but <laughs> it's good that's cleared up. So, Other than to provide extra comic relief with Cat Dennings. Oh, yes. Okay, so music for Thor The Dark World uh, is once again helmed by Brian Tyler. He was the composer they brought on for Iron Man 3. Actually, the original composer they had was Carter Burwell, who works a lot with the Coen brothers, but I believe they dropped him in April of 2013 over creative differences, so Tyler picked up the slack once he was gone. As far as comparisons go with... Let's say the theme that Patrick Doyle did for the original Thor and in compared to Tyler's theme for Dark World. Uh, I would say that Tyler's score for Dark World is much more boisterous. It has a lot of production value, big giant choirs, you know, 100-piece orchestras and whatnot. And it's very, um, in relating it to the film, it's basically brick and mortars. It's your average, triumphant big loud superhero theme and we can hear a clip from that right now which one do you want to play you want to play the theme yep this is uh tyler's theme for thor the dark world Like I said, just dream dum dum drums, drums and heroic music. Nothing says heroic like strings. Oh yes. So as I was said, big loud gets you stirring in your seat. However you want to put it, and that clip of music basically encompasses a lot of the ideas that are at play with Thor's score. Basically, the biggest departure from big, loud, happy superhero action music is uh, the track Into Eternity, which sees the basically ramifications from the death of a secondary character who is kind of acting as the uh, emotional core for a lot of the beginning of the film. You can use her name. Okay, well. Frigga. Yeah. Well, let's see. It's about a year. Or Thor's mom. Thor's mom dies, guys, and it's super sad. And Dude, all these other people die, too. I mean, they honored them as well. It's just she happened to be the queen. Oh, did they? Yeah. Oh. They huh. had a bunch of boats, but they just kind of focused on hers because hers was the most fancy because she was the queen. Right. But they played a beautiful song underneath it. It was just beautiful. Let's take a listen. Just lovely. I can feel my spirit soaring. You know what? I got to give him a little bit of credit because I think that was probably the best scene in the movie. I had a little bit of an emotional pull to that one. It was very well done, very pretty. I think the music adds a lot to that. I think you're right. I mean, that that scene probably carries the most heft in a movie that's pretty, I don't know. What Emotionless? Superficial, let's yeah. just say, yeah. But no, so props for to Tyler for driving that one home. So yeah, if you're looking for a very by-the-numbers, fun superhero score, 
can do worse than Thor the Dark World. Oh, Skyler. <sighs> Your wit. I'm just unbearing. Oh, I'm just keeping I don't know what the word unbearing means. I'm sorry. <laughs> Is it the sequel to Unbroken, that Angelina Jolie oh, movie? Stop. Stop. No, I won't. <laughs> Unbroken, unburied. Unbreakable. That's been established. All right. You know what time it is? Is it science time? It's science time! Yeah. But she will not survive the amount of energy surging within her. That's a quantum field generator, isn't it? It's a soul forge. Does a soul forge transfer molecular energy from one place to another? Yes. Quantum field generator. All right. That was the one clip from Thor The Dark World that I want to talk about because we don't actually have a science guest today and we're not sciencey people. Ergo, we're not going to know a whole lot about this. But Quantum Field Generator, BS. Uh, Soul Forge, that's a fun name for it, isn't it? I feel as if they would have called it something different because it heals people. But wait, Soul Forge. Forge is creation. So we're not even talking about science anymore. I'm just dissecting these words. Yeah. Forge is like where you create weapons and stuff. You're going to create souls or repair souls. Uh, yeah. Okay. But anyway, quantum field generator. Don't worry, kids. That was there to make Jane seem smart and to establish that science and magic are the same. Yeah, as if the first Thor movie didn't do that enough. We don't get to explain at all how the hammer works because... It is heavy enough to blast through things, but at the same time, Thor can lift it pretty well because of magic, because he's worthy. It measures worthiness. Yes, it's or, it's you know a weapon enough to destroy a lot of stuff, but yet he can walk into Jane Foster's apartment and just hang it on the coat rack. Yeah, how his. heavy is that thing? Does uh, it change its weight? I'm that's what I'm guessing. But it can change its weight. Because it manipulates the gravity around it. Okay. Mm, yep. This is the stuff of science we usually avoid in these articles. That's why we want to bring in someone intelligent to right. just say, why don't we just talk about how we can fly? <laughs> it's like, Schmo, how many elephants does the hammer weigh? How many elephants? <laughs> <laughs> Measure it. Do your math right now. Okay. Uh, next up. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. You know what time it is? Oh, what? What? Drop the beat. Boom! Like like an actual beat. Oh. That's right. It's phone facts. I'm not following the beat. Going off. And speculation. Nailed it! Do you want to become a singer with me? Yes. <laughs> okay. We're dropping out. We're doing our singing career. See We're you later, guys. All about them because this movie lacked so much music, we had to fill it with our own. Yes, it does. <laughs> Skywar, give me your first fun fact lineup. All right. Well, the first fun fact is not very fun because this movie had a very troubled production. Uh, basically, what happened was from the moment of its inception in like late 2011 to its release, it had a bunch of people sign up to join ship on it, and then they pretty much dropped. Uh, first and foremost, uh, Kenneth Branagh, the director of the first Thor movie, basically said, see you later, guys, and I'm off to do Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit, which... Good for you, I guess. I guess, I mean... Have fun with that franchise. Yeah, that really, really took off in <laughs> January. Hey, man, Chris Pine. Chris Pine. Pretty hot right now. Pretty hot always, thank you. 
<laughs> All right. Branagh's gone. Uh, Feige's first. How did you pronounce his name? Branagh. Branagh. Brana. Kenneth Brana. 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 Kenneth Brada. Kenneth Prada. Go on. Who's okay. that next name? Feige. Brian Kirk. Who the hell is that? Okay. Feige's first uh, replacement for the director was a man named Brian Kirk. I do believe he was a director on Game of Thrones for a few episodes. So right after Mr. Shakespeare went, they were looking into the television pool, specifically Game of Thrones, for someone to replace him. And Kirk was their first option. He had signed up. But then shortly after, he was like, yeah, no, I don't think so. Uh, next in line was Patty Jenkins. Uh, she was the director of the movie Monster with Charlize Theron. Theron. So this would be Marvel's first woman director. People were all excited, you know, woot. Uh, most of all, Natalie Portman, who was really excited to work with her. And she also jumped ship. Why did they all leave? Uh, we get it, Kenneth Branagh. He's like, I like this project more because it has more freedom. Right. It is established Marvel does limit the director's freedom. I think that is a thing there, but at the same time, there is prestige in a Marvel film because of the mountains of money it rakes in. True. I believe the excuse most of them gave were cre- was creative differences, mm. which is basically rooted to Marvel isn't letting me do jackboot. Jackboot. Is that how we say it? Yeah, we can say jackboot. Jack let me do jackboot. Okay, well, Marvel wasn't Bob's letting them do jackboot with their stuff, so. And that kind of pissed off Natalie Portman, too, so. So that's. You have so many names here, and I don't know any of them. Okay. Outside of the Joshua Dallas story. But who's next? Mads Mickelson? Okay, so that's, that's it for directors. On the casting side, Mads Mickelson was originally supposed to be Malekith. Uh, you can see Mickelson from Casino Royale. He was Le Chief and stars as Hannibal right now on NBC's Hannibal. Okay. But he departed due to, I think, scheduling stuff. And then Eccleston stepped in. Oh, yeah. Why not bring in that old nutmeg? That old chestnut. Oh, yeah. Chestnut's the word you use there. Chestnut Meg. Chestnut Meg. It's a long day. (laughs) I get you. We're trying new things with the audio equipment, okay? (laughs) I'm stressed out. Anyway, what was it? What was it? Was Eccleston? He was a doctor, right? Right. He was was one of the the, Doctor Who's. He was in that first G.I. Joe movie. He was in the first G.I. Joe movie? Yeah, I think he was the bad guy. What? Yeah. What? I'm sure he'd rather Oh, he was Devastro, right? Destro, yeah. Destro? Is there a V in there? Nope. Okay, he was the guy who has a metal head eventually. Yes, he was metal head. I love toy companies. Toys are awesome. (laughs) Anyway, let's just edit that part out. Um, And then finally... uh, I just got that. (laughs) (laughs) Let it sink in, and boom. There it is. All right, continue. uh, Just to restate it, uh, Carter Burwell, composer, also dropped out. But then... Is he the guy that did the first Thor? No, that was Patrick Doyle, I think. Okay. I think Doyle just kind of wanted to work with Kenneth Branagh. Um, and then the final person who said Sia was Joshua Dallas, who played Fandral in the first... Dashing. Yes. He one of the Warriors 3, I believe yeah. it was. Yeah, the most underdeveloped characters who just serve as distractions. Pretty much. Throughout the whole film? Yeah, they didn't really uh, change too much this time around. Other than Sif is getting a slightly increasingly bigger role as a love triangle. Right, I think... It's just getting hinted at, but nothing's really developing. No. 
the heck with carrying through on what you hint at. Um, well, it's just like, you know, this could happen in case Natalie Portman ever leaves. Oh, I think I'm Jamie gl- Alexander will stick with us. I'm glad you mentioned that because we'll talk about that later. But Joshua Dallas, uh, Fandral, gone. Replaced I think he, by I Chuck. Think, yes, Chuck himself, Zachary Levi, who I've heard has a wonderful singing voice. Oh, good. I'll make sure to karaoke <laughs> battle him sometime. Oh, yes. So that's all the people that uh, departed. Uh, like pretty much every Marvel movie, they had some reshoots at the end, basically to add more Lokis to the picture, which my reaction a couple of months before the movie came out was like, oh, this isn't a Loki movie, guys. But then once seeing it, it's like, okay, that's like one of the only good things this movie has going for it. So good on you. <laughs> uh, there's some history with one of their screenwriters, a man by the name of Don Payne. He came in early to write the script. He actually died at the beginning of... Uh, 2013, and Marvel downgraded him from a screenwriting credit to a story credit. So they, it was a little bit of ill will from you know people who knew Don Payne as to Marvel's actions. Is there. that considered a downgrade? It is. Screenwriter has more prestige than story writer. I, the story writers just plot elements. I think so. The work. Yep. I think I do believe that is how they look at it. So. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, they to their credit, they dedicated the movie in his memory. Oh, that was at the end? Yeah. Okay. But they also gave him a less prestigious title. So, hmm. womp, womp. weird standing. I don't know. I don't yeah. get it. I just, I people are making weird decisions, I guess. I guess so. Um, moving on to cheerier things. Uh, the post-credit scene of this movie is a direct tie-in to... Guardians of the Galaxy. I don't think that's a fun fact. Everyone kind of knew that. They watched the movie and they stayed. But it is a fact, so... All right, fine. Yeah. Did did it add anything? Like, we've seen Guardians. We've seen what the Collector is. Uh, Uh, It revealed that the Aether is, in fact, an Infinity Stone. Okay, we'll speculate on that later. We always talk about the damn Infinity Stones. You know what? We get it. I'm pretty sure we went at length with the Infinity Stones in episode one. So just listen to that. Pretty much. (laughs) And then uh, director Alan Taylor pretty much called James Gunn a hack after Oh, whoa. What? Yeah. Basically, during the junket. James Gunn directed the tie-in scene? Yes, he did. Of course. Yeah. And uh, to paraphrase what Taylor had said in one interview in the junkets was like, yeah, that scene was shot by someone else and it, it certainly wasn't something I would shoot for this movie. So jeez, why what's with the hostility? I don't know. Who cares? Seriously. Your movie's over. (laughs) Exactly. You didn't contribute all that much to this movie anyway. So, Ooh, Ooh, we're calling out Alan Taylor. Like you said, it's been a long day. Okay. Okay. Carry on. And the last fun fact, uh, Thor The Dark World is, in fact, the movie that debuted the Marvel fanfare, a.k.a. production titles that now uh, appear before every Marvel movie. Brian Tyler actually wrote the 30-second fanfare itself, which I'm assuming now you can hear in front of every Marvel movie. From 2013 onward. Right. Thor 2 Subsequent to Instead of the flipping pages thing? Yeah. Or do they still do that because it's a Marvel Comics? They they kind of do it. They do the thing where, like, oh, it's it flips kind of pages cube and then thing. it goes 3D. Yeah, like that. And it still makes that sound. Yep. Okay. Good to know. No, it isn't, but whatever. Whatever. 
Yeah. Actually, yes, it is good to know. Yeah. Because we're about the important stuff here on the Superhero Movie Club podcast. Yeah. Nothing but important facts. Next up, speculation. <laughs> nice. All right. So Why did Selvik go crazy? That's my first point of topic because this kind of made me mad in the film. The um, line was right that he said, I had a god in my head. I wouldn't recommend it. And that's why he went nutso. Right. Well, Hawkeye other, did not go nutso. He didn't, but I think we're led to believe that Hawkeye is more stoic and strong than... Brain resilient? Brain resilient, if you will, yeah. But the skeptical part of me just really wants to scream out that they wanted more dumb comedy of Stellan Skarsgård running around naked. But as far as actual justification, there was, in fact, that line where it's like, I've had a god in my head. I can't recommend it. Because I kind of miss his original appeal as a father figure to Jane. Yeah, absolutely. And I get they want another kooky person, but isn't Kat Dennings the comedic relief? And then you add Ian, and you want to put all three of these characters in as comedic relief? I mean, give me a little bit of emotion here. Right. I want a little connection. Give me, like, someone who is smart and knows what they're doing and doesn't have to crack a joke every minute to have standing in the movie uh whatever i suppose i, I was speculating because i'm like is he gonna stay crazy is he gonna even have does selvik have a future role because he had a pretty big role in avengers one he did is he gonna have a pretty big role in avengers two or is just it's out of his element because it no longer deals with that's guardian tech that's a good question because it was recently revealed that both idris elba who plays heimdall and tom hiddleston loki do have cameos in uh, Avengers Age of Ultron, so I guess yes. if they're going to appear, then there's a slight chance he might, but he's definitely not going to play as big a role since it's not uh, dealing so much with this otherworldly stuff. More Heimdall. More Heimdall is never a bad thing. More more Heimdall. That's a mad, that was another good shining point of Thor 2. Heimdall's a badass. Even though even though that point, that, that scene where he takes out a ship with his sword is kind of pointless in just retrospect... The visual was pretty awesome. Yeah, it was. And you got to respect that. Right. Big reveal at the end that something has happened to Odin. Loki is not dead, and he is basically parading around as Odin in the throne. So, I mean, in the comic books originally shown that as long as you have, like, the spear of Odin, you have a thing called the Odin Force, something like that. That's right. Uh, and it's just tremendously god power stuff, as long as you have his spear. Beer? Maybe. I know... Okay, this is a pretty abstract reference, but there's the Marvel Ultimate Alliance video game. I was going to bring that up. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Where Doctor Doom steals Odin for, the Odin Force through some kind of machinery not ne- from Odin himself, not yeah. necessarily his spear, so... Okay. Yeah. That's what I'm running Because the Odin Force is just like, yeah, I'm a god, but I'm also way more powerful because I have... Mystic Force. Shimo and I have developed a thing throughout the, when watching Thor 2 movie that when anything ridiculous happens in the realm of Asgard, we just say the phrase Asgardian tech because it is technology that works like magic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so anytime that happens in a film where it's like, how do lasers reflect off cement? It, it, it was Asgardian tech. Asgardian tech. tech. Just, just <laughs> little black hole grenades. Just Asgardian tech. No, uh, dark elf tech, but... <laughs> okay. But yeah, that's like the future of Loki. It's just going to be a setup for Ragnarok. I'm guessing we'll check in with 
you know, the Asgardian peeps at some point in Avengers, but probably won't pay, play a big role in it unless it's revealed that Ultron was Loki all along. Oh my goodness. In which case, I would... Marvel cannot get enough of Tom Hiddleston. I would just puke, but... <laughs> I'd watch that. I'd watch well, thank that. you. I'd pay 10 bucks to watch that. I was going to say, would you pay to watch that? Of but, course. Yeah. But I'm sure they'll have something to follow up on in Thor Ragnarok. In Thor addition. Ragnarok. Thor Ragnarok. Announced going to be the third edition of the Thor franchise. Yes, coming in, I believe, July 2017. All righty. Well into, I'm going to trust you. Well I'm going to look it up. <laughs> yeah. Well into uh, phase three. And from what I understand, it's probably not going to be along the same lines as the Ragnarok story that followed. Oh, and the Simonson? Yeah. It was part of Walter Simonson's run. And, you know, they might include, they're going to probably throw in the characters of Surtur, the yep. fire demon, um, who is kind of the center point of that. And Ragnarok is the death of all the gods in a big freaking battle, of oh. course. Um, and they might, just to be a fan favorite, Hog, throw in Beta Ray Bill. Okay. Because Beta Ray Bill, as ridiculous as that name sounds, he is also ridiculous because he is a space horse, humanoid, with the power worthy of Thor so he can wield the hammer. And for a period of time, he took over as Thor, too. Okay. It sounds – it's all spacey and whatever, but I'd love to see his Beta Ray Bill in live action. He's shown up in the cartoons a few times. I don't know. I've just seen a horse face hero would be pretty awesome. <laughs> Just bring in Sarah Jessica Parker to fill in. The oh, oh, you had to go I there. I did. I there was no other choice. But on the topic of uh, fan favorites, much as I know that Marvel and all its fans have a geek gasm for Tom Hiddleston, mm-hmm. I'm curious by the end of the film if they don't try and pull the switcheroo and have Loki become a woman. What? Right, because Loki is a woman in the comics right now. So, oh, what he is? Yeah. So that's like, so you, you know, you see all the cosplay, the women, and the Loki thing, and it's not just like, okay, I'm gonna you know dress no. up as a male character. No, they're not gonna ditch Tom no. Hiddleston. Maybe Don't give me that crap. Maybe like five years down the road, but no, not even. Maybe they will. No, but, that's too drastic. But other fan favorite thing, I am curious if we'll see Hell in this movie, which oh. is Hell is a continuity nightmare. Yeah, because I had, she is Loki. She is the ruler of no, it's Hela. Okay, yeah. she is the ruler of her dominion called Hell, and she is Loki's full-grown daughter, who he hasn't even met the woman he's had sex with yet that gives birth to her. But she is because like Hell is a timeless place, so everything is pretty messed up. Immensely powerful, ruler of the underworld. I don't like to think of her affiliation with Loki and just consider her the Hades of Norse mythology. Okay. Um, Maybe we'll see here. I doubt it because it's too garbly. I, I don't like it. Yeah, I wasn't clear on the whole comic history of it. I just know I've seen like you know one thing where she played some kind of role. But good job, Skylar. I'm I proud know. of you. I am. I am expert. That's like yeah. the Thor. Another detail is anybody confirmed as back? Besides, of course, the cast. Oh, glad you brought it up. The word on the street, and not a fact yet, but aka the word on the webways. Let's keep right. Our the web okay. street. 
not confirmed, but probably pretty likely, is that Natalie Portman is going to be missing in action pretty much from this point on. She's done? She's done. Quitting? I think that thing with Patty Jenkins kind of soured her to the whole Rustled thing. Rustled her jimmies? It, it really did. And from what I've read of you know rumors and dialogue from the next Avengers movie, Thor is pretty much, his whole thing is going to be getting over her after she dumps him. Oh, I'd be great if we still have a scene of that, or if she's just a picture in every single Avengers film. That seems gonna, to be... He's going to pull it out of his like cloak or cape, whatever, just a picture of her and start crying. He's going to pull it out of his gnarly, nasty weave haircut. Oh, stop. That thing's gorgeous Goldilocks. He needs to wash it. <laughs> he just needs, you know, a good condition... You know, get the brain. They don't have out of soap there. on Asgard, okay? They live forever. There's no point in bathing every day. Oh yeah, they can you know shoot lasers and have them bounce off concrete, but they can't wash their damn hair. So. Whatever, Skyler. Whatever. These things matter. It's the director coming back. That's basically what I wanted to get to. Do we know if Alan Taylor, Taylor is back on the job, or I, are we just gonna wait? Because this movie is what three years out, two yeah, years out, pretty it's much. A, it's a ways. I I don't know if Taylor is coming back. I kind of hope not but he is also embroiled in this whole terminator franchise now he's oh, okay. directing terminator genesis oh, he... with a y yeah genesis with a y so if that doesn't prove to be a colossal bomb maybe he'll find more luck with that one <laughs> i like how we're all setting that up pretty much to fail oh yeah no it's this is superhero movie club we don't talk about terminator okay we don't have anything else to talk about. No, we, we don't. <laughs> We're wrapping it up, aren't we? Superhero Movie Club is recorded and produced in the studio of KMSU in Mankato, Minnesota. Find this podcast online at superheromovieclub.podbean.com or subscribe on iTunes. The next show's topic is going to be The Wolverine. Wait for it. Snicked. <laughs> <laughs> A.K.A. the spiritual... Sequel to X-Men Origins Wolverine. Snicked in Japan. Yes. <laughs> Kazuri! <laughs> Hugh Jackman goes to Japan <laughs> is the name of the film. Oh, uh, that'll do it today. I'm your host, Michael Maurer. And I'm James Schuyler Houtsma. I hope you all have a super week.